God, give us ears to hear what you would say to us today. God, some of the things that we're going to hear today are going to be tough. But God, we need to hear them. Why? Because God, you want to bring us through victoriously. God, we need to know today more than ever that you love us. And God, I pray that we would know that today. And we wouldn't just know it with our heads, but God, we would know it through our hearts. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. In Jesus' name, shout amen in the house. Come on, high five two people around you. Say, you coming to conference this weekend? You better. I'll see you there. I'll save you a seat. Come on. We're hanging out in the conference. In 1947, a young New Yorker named Glenn Chambers had a lifelong dream to work for God in Ecuador. At the airport on the day of his departure, he wanted to send a note to his mother, but he had forgotten to buy her a card. So he looked and he found a piece of paper on the terminal floor and he picked it up. It turned out to be an advertisement with the word Y spread all across it. W-H-Y. He took the piece of paper and he scribbled his note around the word Y and he put it in the post box and mailed it for his mother. That night, his aeroplane exploded into the 14,000 foot Colombian peak, El Tablazo. When his mother later received the note after the news of his death, the question burned to her from the page. Why? 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 How many times have we asked that? How many times have we thought that? How many times have we lived that in our lives? Every one of us countless times. Maybe you're even living that right now. Because over the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with why does God allow suffering? It's a tough question that needs a straight answer. Questions that we face in life. Come on, finding answers to the tough questions that we have. Because if God's such a God of love, then why is this happening to me? As we prepare for our messages and our series, we really put a lot of thought and prayer. It's not just topics and subjects that we're like, oh, that's cool, we'll do that. Because this is something just many weeks ago, I was really felt impressed. This is something I really believe a season that we need to go through in our lives. You see, every message is like a season. It's taken us somewhere. That we're learning through that season. You may say, well, this is not the season for me, a season of suffering. Keep living. Keep breathing. You're going to need it somewhere down the line. That's why we take notes in church, because we need to go back to those. We need to remember those things. And even if it's not for you or the situation you're in right now, maybe it's for the person who's sitting in the cubicle beside you at work. That friend on Facebook, that family member, that person at the mall, that you'll be able to say, hold on a second, pastor preached about this on Sunday. Let me give you some hope. Let me show you what God's word says, because that's what we try to do every message, every series. We want to know God in this situation. That's why we do church every week. We want people to know God. We want you to know God in a greater way. And as we look around us, There's a constant confrontation of suffering. Someone put it this way, and I thought this was really good. They said, the fact of suffering undoubtedly brings the single greatest challenge to the Christian faith. Let me read that one more time. The fact of suffering, because it is a fact. The fact of suffering undoubtedly brings the single greatest challenge to the Christian faith. 
faith. And it's been that way for generations. The amount of suffering and its destructiveness and the distribution of it seemed to be so random and unfair. I remember when I first came to America. I was about 15, 16 this particular summer. And I came over and worked with my uncles in Georgia. And while I was there, there was a lady that I'd known for many years because we'd come and had vacations. And her name was Miss Alexa. Miss Alexis. She sat on the second row. She was the first person at church whenever the doors were open. And she was there to greet everyone, yes, but her most important ministry that she had was intercessory prayer. She would be praying for people. Throughout the week, if there was a need, she would be taking it. And when she looked at you and said, I'll be praying for you, you knew that God was going to hear that lady's prayer because she was so in tune with God. Miss Alexis got cancer. Now surely, if there was a candidate for God hearing the prayer, it would be Miss Alexis. After all, God probably knew her greater than most people. But Miss Alexis would die of cancer. I really struggled with that as a 15-year-old kid. I struggled with the thought because when I went to see her just before she passed away with my uncles, she was just so giving thanks to God and she was praising God despite where she was at and the doctors told her moments to live. She was still thanking God and saying, God, you're my healer, you're my deliverer. God, you're faithful, you're awesome, you're incredible. And I thought, how through the suffering can she still hold on with so much hope? And there are many stories that I could tell. And I know you have many stories too. Why, God? I mean, she was a good person. She loved you. She served you. This world was a better place because people like her, something was lost in this world when she was taken. Why? 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 Theologians and philosophers have wrestled for centuries with the mystery of what we call un deserved suffering. And no one really has been able to come up with a simple and complete solution. And over this month, we're going to be looking at that. And I pray that we're going to bring you the answers and answers that you need to your current situations. Because I believe that God wants to shed some light. So this no longer has to be a great darkness in our life, a struggle, a question, a doubt, a fear. But yet we can surrender this to God too. And we can see God produce greatness. Because we're going to go on a journey. This is a season. And what we're going to see is this. Although suffering is never God in itself. I didn't misquote myself. I didn't mean to say suffering is not good in itself. It's not good either. But although suffering is never God in itself. Meaning what? God doesn't produce the suffering in our lives. So even though it's not God itself, God is still able to use it and to turn it around for good in a number of ways. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 2. James writes these words. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various 
trials. What? What, James? Did you? Did I read that? Did I catch you right? I'm supposed to rejoice through the suffering. I'm supposed to rejoice through the pain and the anguish. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, one translation says this. Count it a sheer joy when you go through struggles and pain. But you know what? I'm so glad that James wrote this. Because if James would have written, count it joy when your life is perfect and nothing happens, then that wouldn't have really touched anyone's life because no one lives there. I'm so glad he wrote about the struggles and the pains because that's where we're living. That's the life that we find ourselves in. Some days are less of a struggle, but there's some struggle. There's some things that you're believing God for right now that you're suffering through. You're struggling through. It's a trial. It's a temptation. So James is focusing in on exactly really where we all are. And he says where you are is exactly where God is too. Because that's the only way that you can have joy amidst the struggle. Because you've got to go to verse 3. Because James says these words, verse 3. He says, knowing, knowing, knowing. Say with me, knowing. That's the tough part right there. It's tough when you've got to know the right thing when it seems the wrong thing is happening to you. I've realized today I'm probably not going to get a lot of amens in this message and that's okay. Because I know this is coming at you today. But it's tough to know. It's tough to have faith. It's tough to keep believing. It's tough to have a smile on your face when it seems that all the wrong things are happening to you, around you. That no matter what you do, it's like you're up against the wall. You've got to know the right thing. That's the goal of this series. Our goal of this series is this, for you to know the right thing. And that right thing is God. That God will help you no matter where you're at. You've got to know God. You've got to trust God. You've got to keep believing God. Because it goes on to say, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Okay, God, I'm done. (laughs) Have you ever been there? God, I'm done. I'm through. I'm tested out. God, promote me. Take me through. I'm doing good. It's tough being tested. Have you ever asked this question? (laughs) God, you couldn't have chosen another method. Why have you got to test me through the hardships of life? Why have I got to grow the most through the struggles of life? Why, God? I was just reading a devotional just on Thursday, actually, of last week. Reading a devotional about Rakshak and Benny. Anyone know who Rakshak and Benny are? If you've watched VeggieTales, that's Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They're called Rakshak and Benny, and they're a whole lot easier to spell for my message notes. Amen? But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were the boys who refused to bow to what was wrong, but yet stood up for that which was right. And the devotional says this, when we compromise our integrity, we do not leave room for divine intervention. If they had compromised and bowed to that statue, they may have been delivered from the fiery furnace, but they would have been delivered by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, And not by God. Look at this statement. It's on the screen. And it would have been from and not through. It would have been from 
not through. Oh, oh, I, I like the from God. I like it. Take me quick now. Quick. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go through this. Take me from this. The devotion went on to say they would have forfeited their testimony by failing the test. Because their integrity, their stand, their faith, their knowing despite what was going on around them, it triggered the miracle. I'm telling you right now, we want to be spared from it. But God says it is a greater miracle as I take you through it. Because your life and your example can be a miracle to those around you. And you're going to say today, you listen to me, I know where you're at. I don't want to be a miracle for someone else. Why can't someone be a miracle for me? Come on, that's what you're thinking. Let them be the miracle and let me just say amen and enjoy that and say I'm praying for you through your struggle. I don't want to be the one that's going through the struggle. But that miracle, their faith, Their knowing, their holding on, allowed God not only to show up, but allowed God to show off. God wants to produce something in this. In the struggle, in the trial, in the testing, in the temptation, God wants to produce something in this. And you've got to start knowing that. You've got to believe that. And at times you've got to remind yourself maybe 20, 30 times an hour as you're going through it. God, you've got this. God, I trust you. God, I believe you. Why? Because it goes on to say, but let patience, verse 4. And what is patience? Patience is the byproduct of the testing and the suffering that you've gone through. It says, but let patience have its perfect work that you, 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 you're not forgotten. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into the father like, okay, now God, now God, now God. God didn't show up and appear till they were where? In the middle. But he was the fourth man in the midst of the fire. And there's something you've got to realize. And man, I could preach this and I'm not going to because this really isn't the message today. But the only thing that burned up in the fire was this. The bonds that held them bound. Because the Bible says they were thrown into the fire bound, hand and foot. But Nebuchadnezzar looks in the fire and he says, Are there not four men loose and walking around in the midst of the fire? What am I telling you? you got to know something. And I pray through this series that you will. That what the enemy wants to take you out is what God's going to use to set you free. And not only bring freedom to your life but freedom to other people too. But let patience have its perfect work, that you, 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 you're not forgotten, that you may be perfect. Say with me, ready. Ready. Any bakers in the house? Do we have any bakers like to bake cakes and cookies, brownies, all that kind of stuff? Nice. I want to see who you are so I can be your friend. There you go. No. <laughs> what they tell us is this. If you're baking a cake or a brownie, there's a test so you know if it's ready. You've got this like special little wire thing. If you're really eloquent, you've got this wire thing. If you're not, you've just got a toothpick. Anyone with me? you just got found a toothpick. Good, good, good. So what you do is you open the oven, you pull it out quickly, and you just stick the little wire or the toothpick into the middle of the cake or the brownie. And what happens is this. 
If it comes out clean, then it's ready. If it comes out with something still stuck on it, it needs to go back in the oven a little bit longer. You and I are in the oven. And God's like testing us. Not ready. And the most amazing thing is this. You can look at the outside and say, wow, it looks brown. It's, it looks good. You can even take it out and you can touch it and you can feel it puffy. And you can say, oh, oh, that's looking good. It, it feels good and it looks good. But it doesn't matter how much it looks and feels good. The real test is what's happening on the inside. We can come and think everything's good and everything's perfect. But God's not looking at the outside. God's looking and testing the heart because God wants to do something deeper inside of us. Because you take that cake out of the oven before it's ready. Oh, it may look good. But guess what's going to happen to it? It's going to sink down. It's going to collapse. And the last thing I want is for your life to collapse. Because when your life collapses, your faith goes with it. Your belief goes with it. Testing. God says, I'm testing you because I want you to be perfect. Read on. It says, I want you to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's God's goal for your life. God wants you to be perfect, lacking nothing, going through the test. But we've got to go through James chapter 1 verse 2 first. We've got to go through the test with joy. And we've got to know that God is able. And through that, there's a faith that comes inside of us that God produces something. Oh, we want to jump to verse 4, but you've got to go through verse 2 and 3 first. Because if you just got to 4 without the struggle, you wouldn't be ready And you wouldn't be prepared to handle what God has for you. But pastor, suffering is tough. Sure is. And it's especially tough when it appears to be the end. But it's not with God. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy is coming in the morning. I said, weeping may endure for the night. Come on, it may be in. You may think there's no hope, there's no way. But joy is coming in the morning. Come on, you got to know that. you got to know that. So what are we going to be looking at through this series? We're going to look at the fact that God loves you. That's what you've got to understand, that God loves you. You've got to understand that through your suffering... That God is also suffering because he suffers alongside you. Sometimes God doesn't just simply remove from your life the suffering because at times he uses the bad things that happen to bring about good purposes. I didn't say he causes the suffering to happen. He takes what happens and he uses it for good and for his purpose. Pastor, can we go to another series? Can we kind of skip this month? And you don't have something different you can preach to us? It's tough. I'm not not enjoying this. Can we go back to Easter? That was a celebration. The tomb is empty. And Pastor, I realize today that this is a tough series. But you know why it's tough? Because you need it. Because you're in it. You're in it. I just talked with someone during the mingle time today. Hadn't seen her for a while. And she said to me, Pastor, I'm going through a lot 
three weeks ago, my son had a massive heart attack and died. 41 years of age. We need this. Because here's what we've got to do as children of God. Are you ready? We've got to learn how to suffer well. We've got to learn how to suffer well. Here's our theme scripture. You ready? And this is what you need to know. Romans 8, 28. And we know, there it is again, in the suffering, we've got to know, in the trials, in the tribulations, in the resistance, we've got to know that what? That God causes. Now, please don't misread that scripture because it's not saying that God causes those things to happen. It means that God causes everything that has happened. God takes it and works it together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose for them. Let me say that again. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. We know everything, everything. The best things that can happen in your life, God can use. The worst things that you ever face in your life, God can use. Why? Because they are opportunities of growth and development for God to do good in your life. The only problem is we like the result, but the process stinks. The last part of that verse, it says his purpose for them. I think that's twofold. He has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. But I think that also means that God has a purpose for the struggles and the sufferings that you're going to go through in life. That God wants to build you through those. I love how the verse begins. And we know. We know what? We know that God loves me. We know that God has the best for me. We know that God is has a plan for my life. We know God is going to bring me through. You don't know how many times I've said that since last week. Because we talked about that in the message last week. Remember our confessions. I know God loves me. I know God has the best for me. I know God has a plan for my life. I know God's going to bring me through. I've said that a few times this week. And you need to too. In fact, suffering, as we look, can really be categorized in three main ways. There's what's called global suffering on a global scale. And we see that because when a whole nation or a whole area is affected due to like a natural disaster, like an earthquake or a famine or a flood, we see the devastation that happens to communities and and nations and just how everything can be rocked. Even terrorism today on a global scale, we see it and it touches every one of us as we see the pain and suffering that people are going through. The next level of suffering is what they call through community tragedies, a little bit closer to home, more generalized, but yet still it's not in our homes most of the time. We see on February the 14th of this year in Parkland, Florida, we see how 17 children and 17 are still injured through a shooting in a high school, horrific and tragic. Every one of us are moved. Turned on the news yesterday to see a Canadian junior hockey team whose coach crashed and 15 of those athletes are dead and many still fighting for their lives. Almost daily we turn on the news, we see fatal shootings, crashes, people being affected by suffering. But then there's what we call on an individual level. This is where we live. 
We live in the others too, but we can kind of excuse those. We can turn off the TV, we can turn off the news, we can turn off the internet, anything, and we don't have to deal with those things, but you can't turn off the individual level because it affects us all to a greater or lesser extent. Why? Due to bereavement, due to sickness, disabilities, broken relationships, an unhappy marriage, depression, loneliness, poverty, persecution, rejection, unemployment, temptation, disappointment, the list goes on. It's the sufferings that we face. Because suffering can come in an endless variety of forms. And no human being is ever immune to them. John 16, 33. Jesus said these words, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. You've got to know something, he's saying, that the answer is in me. In me is your peace. In me is your strength. In me is your answer. Because he goes on to say, in this world, you're going to have some struggles. You're going to have some tribulations. You're going to have some suffering. But be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. In other words, he said, I'm victorious over the worst thing that could ever happen to your life. You've got to trust him. In him you draw peace and find the strength because he has overcome every struggle and suffering that you would face. New Living Translation says, but take heart. But take heart. I like that. Don't lose hope. Don't let go of faith. Know that God is going to help you. Know that God is causing everything to turn around for good. I was actually amazed when I studied for this series to find out that suffering is not a problem for all religions. I was amazed by that. And here's why, because they say the Judeo-Christian belief, which is what we follow, it teaches that God is both utterly good and all-powerful which we don't see in all other religions. Because they don't, usually don't teach both. There's maybe one, but they don't teach both. And I want us to think about that for a moment. God is utterly good and all-powerful. Utterly good, totally good, totally powerful. So let's break that down. Let's look at them individually. If he's utterly good, that means everything he wants to do for us is to produce happiness, joy, fulfillment, happiness in every one of our lives because he's good. He wants the best for our lives. Everyone with me on that? Then because he's all powerful, what do we know about that? He's able to do that because nothing is withheld from his power. He is all powerful so he can make anything happen. But what do we know? God is both. So they must work Together for good. Remember, God is working together for good. What is the together? He's all good and utterly good, but yet he's also all powerful. So how does that work? If God just removed, or if God just excused, or if God just spared us from all the adversities in our life, because he can do that because he's all powerful. Everyone agree with me? He's able to do that. He can do that. That may not be good. He can do it, but it may not be good for you. Because God does everything in his power 
but also in his goodness for your life. For us, it's always good to get out of pain. (laughs) There's no questions asked. God, hey, that's good, that's good, that's good. But God sees things entirely different from us. Why? Because the Bible says he knows our end from our beginning. In other words, he sees the entire story. He sees the entire picture. We see the moment, we see the pain, we see what's happening, the immediate that's taken place, where God sees beyond that. And really, let me say this, God sees from that. Beyond it. Let me explain it this way. If you were to ask anyone who was going to go and have surgery done, are you excited about surgery? They would say no. Well, why are you not excited about surgery? Because I don't want the recovery. After the surgery. So how are you feeling? Any feelings changed about your surgery? Are you enjoying the pain? No. No. No one's enjoying the pain. No one wants to go through the surgery. But listen to me. The pain of the moment far outweighs the sickness of a lifetime. Think about that. The, 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 the thought of going through the pain of a moment is so much better than living a lifetime of sickness. I may be in pain for a couple of weeks. I maybe can't lift anything over 40 pounds for six weeks, but I'm doing that for what reason? Because you ain't going to stop me after six weeks because I'm going to be whole and I'm going to be free and, and I'm going to be well. I'm not going to suffer anymore. Is it good? Yes. Do I like it? No. Good and powerful. You see, as we look to God's word for answers, we're going to see from Genesis through Revelation that there actually seem to be four main overlapping answers or insights or knowings which we're going to begin to look at today and continue over this month. The four things that we see through scripture is this, human freedom. We see God works through suffering. We see God more than compensates for our suffering. And we also see that God is involved in our suffering. He's not removed from it. He's in it with us. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And today I want to start with human freedom. Say with me, human freedom. You're still with me today. From the beginning to the end of the Bible, as Pastor Pete said today, the Bible tells a story. The story of the Bible is love. But the Bible tells a story for what reason? So we can put the basic questions of our life and we can look to God's word and we can find proper context for how to deal with those situations. The problem we have in life is when we don't go to God's word. When we go to man and we go to what man says and our feelings and our emotions, that's when we get in trouble. If we would go to God's word, it would put our lives in the proper context that we need so we would make the right decisions for our life. So what we see in Genesis is this. We see at the beginning there was a world with no evil and no suffering. So here's what we know. If we're going to know, here's what we need to know. Are you ready? Suffering was not a part of God's original creation. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see a picture of what God did create. I haven't got time to read those today. Read them when you go home. But you won't see anything of pain and suffering in those first two chapters. All you'll see is paradise. A most remarkable, incredible place that God created on this earth. Paradise. 
And there was no suffering until Genesis chapter 3. And that was when man rebelled against God. Jump to the end of the Bible, Revelations. In Revelations, we see that God's going to redeem the world. He's going to come back again. He's going to be victorious. He's going to collect his bride, the church, Christians, those that love him. He's going to restore. He's going to build a new heaven and he's going to build a new earth. And it's all going to be without suffering. How do we know this? Revelations 21 verse 4 is just one of the scriptures. But it says this, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things. They have passed away. They're dead. The things that used to be and how it used to be, God says they are dead. New Living Translation says they are gone forever. In the beginning, no suffering. In the end, no suffering. Praise God. The only problem is this. We live in the middle. We're in the middle of it all. So here's what we need to know. Suffering entered the world only because Adam and Eve sinned. It was through sin. Through man's selfish choice that suffering became a part of this world. It's amazing you would read of the curse that we see that suffering that came to the world, that God said to Adam, now weeds and, and you're going to have to produce fruit and, and labor in the soil and then you're going to have to struggle with weeds and thistles and all these things. Before there wasn't such a thing, the earth just produced. Part of the curse for ladies, you're going to have to be in pain in childbirth. I don't know how it was before, it was just like, whoop, there it is. It's where that song maybe come from, whoop, there it is. But there was no suffering. There was no pain. Everything was perfect until sin enters the world and everything changes. Nicky Gumbel says these words. I thought this was a great quote. He said this, suffering is an alien intrusion into God's world. Suffering was an alien intrusion. It didn't belong into the world that God created. And when you hear things like that, that can trigger questions. I know it does with me. Because I begin to think like this. If suffering is as a result of sin, directly or indirectly, then why did God allow sin to enter the world? Anyone ever ask things like that? Or why did God allow sin? Someone asked me a good question one day and I thought, wow, that's true. Why did God create a devil to tempt us? The reality is God didn't create a devil. He created Lucifer. Lucifer was the son of the morning. He was the highest. He was the brightest of all. And he was perfect in all his ways, the Bible says, until pride entered into his heart. Sin destroys what God has given. The answer I'm about to give you today is probably going to shock some of you. Why would God allow sin to enter this world? And here's the answer. Here's what you need to know because we're knowing this because we've got to know it. Are you ready? God did so because he loves us. And he wanted to give us a free will. Now, now hold on a second, Pastor. You're telling me that there's sin and suffering in this world because God loves me. Everything inside of me is screaming out saying, if God really loved me, then he wouldn't allow suffering and pain in my life. 
God allows it because he loves you. Why is that? Because love can only really be love if there's a real choice. Love can never be love if it's forced. Love ceases to be love if it's forced. You're going to love me. You're going you're to resist that. You're going to push back. The only way that love can be real is when you are given a real choice. And that's what God gave mankind. As hard as it is to see the suffering and the pain that he has to see every day, he did that because he loves you so much and he never wanted to force you into loving him. He's given us every opportunity to see him as he is. And man, today has tainted that. And that's why people don't want to love God. And that's why Satan tells you today, come on. Satan tells you the reason you're suffering is because God doesn't love you. If God really loved you, then he wouldn't. Let you go through this. So obviously you're going through it so God doesn't love you. That's a lie. I said that's a lie. And if you want to know if Satan's lying to you, are his lips moving? Because if his lips are moving, he's lying to you because he's the father of all lies. You see, human freedom, we're trying to know The part that we face in our suffering. Why? Because we've got to maintain the proper perspective through it. We've got to remind ourselves, no, hold on a second. God loves me. God, because of his great love, gave human beings the choice and freedom to love him or not. And now we have taken that freedom and turned it around to say not love that you're not a God of love, that you don't love me. But yet if we could push through all the mess and look, the source of what we see today is because God loved you so much. And man in his freedom that God has given from the beginning has chosen to break God's law. And the result has been suffering ever since. In the Garden of Eden... Maybe you're one of those people who's mad at Eve. I've heard people say, man, that crazy woman, why'd she eat that fruit? Well, listen, can I, can I just say something? All the ladies are going to love this. The problem wasn't the woman. The problem was the man. Because if the woman would have just eaten the fruit, nothing would have changed. She would have been disobedient to God and God would have chastised her, corrected her for that. But it was when Adam ate of that fruit that the seed of man was destroyed. Why? Because the woman does not carry the seed. It's the man that carries the seed. And it was when he ate that humanity was destroyed and that God then would have to send his son to die for every one of us. But you can get on Eve all you want. But I'm glad that Eve ate that fruit. Not because I like the suffering, but I'm glad she did it before I did it. Come on, you look all holy today. But I'm telling you right now, if you were in the garden, you would have done the same thing. And I'm glad Eve did it for this reason. I would hate people to be reading. And Philip Pimlot ate of that fruit. And now we're all miserable for the rest of our life. Wow, curse Philip. Curse him. Who's he think he is? At least we can look and say, who she thinks she is? C.S. Lewis wrote this. 
And I think this is pretty powerful. Stay with me with it. He says, it would no doubt have been possible for God to remove by miracle the result of the first sin ever committed by human beings. But this would not have been much good unless he was also prepared to remove the result of the second sin, the third sin, and so on forever. You see, if the miracle of God removing the sins had ceased, then sooner or later we would have still reached our present situation. If they did not, then a world thus continually underpropped and corrected by divine interference would have been a world in which nothing important ever depended on human choice. And our freedom would have ceased. Think about what he's saying. God could have changed everything because he's all powerful. But yet he's also all good. And where would it have stopped? That wasn't the answer. God loved you so much that he created you with a freedom. You could have been a robot. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God longs for you to be in relationship with him. But he wants that because you love him. Not because he forces you. So what else do we know? Some of the suffering that we endure in this life is because of our own sin. Through our own selfishness, wrong choices... We sadly harm ourselves and many other people. And we see the consequences of this in our life. Consequences for us breaking God's law. God's law we can see in physics and nature. For example, you're going to put your hand in a fire. Guess what happens? It's going to get burnt. That's the the law of physics. You put your hand in a fire, it's going to get burnt. But God also gives us an early warning system, doesn't he? Oh. We don't just go, what's that smell? What's going on? Someone cooking barbecue or something? Oh, it's me. Praise God. That's not what happens. What happens is as soon as you touch that, oh, that's a warning system. Just like God gives us a conscience of what's right and wrong in our lives. Then there's the moral law that we see through God's word. That's his word instruction. That's what the laws of this nation, this world, really have been constructed upon God's word. And we see again a connection between sin and the consequences. Why? Because if a person abuses drugs, the consequence usually becomes addiction. If a person drinks too much, then the consequence usually is alcoholism. If a person is selfish enough, greedy enough, has enough lust in their life, has a bad enough temper, then it leads usually to broken relationships, consequences from the sins of life. So we see that some of the suffering of our life is as a direct consequence to the sin of our life. But what else do we know? Are you ready? Suffering is not always due to our sin. It can be, but it's not always. Suffering can also not be our personal fault. We had a lady in our church, Miss Leola. Probably two, three years ago since Miss Leola passed away. I miss her deeply. Miss Leola gave me a belt and I wear it at least once a week. And every time I put it on, I just am so thankful of the memory of this lady. She loved God and she loved this church. 
was here as much as she could. And I remember the day she came and told me in the office, she said, Pastor Philip, I've got cancer. And she said to me these words, I don't want anyone to know. I'm not hardly telling anyone because I know what they're going to say. Miss Leola, about six months later, finally lost the battle to cancer, but she won the war. And she made it to heaven. She got her healing that she was believing for here, but God gave it to her there. Come on, no more sickness, no more pain. She's just ahead of us. She's there. She's at the end in heaven. But I was horrified when I went round to her house one day and she said, you will not believe who I've just had come by. She said, I told you I didn't want people to know. And I said, well, why, Miss Leona? She said, I've just had people in my house saying the reason you have cancer is because there's sin in your life. And if you don't repent, then God will not heal you and you are going to die from your cancer. My God, help us. My God, help us. Just because you're sick, just because you're going through a struggle does not mean it's as a result of sin in your life. Oh, there can be because John 5 verse 14, Jesus heals a man at Bethsaida. I think he'd been sick for 38 years and Jesus came and healed him. Afterwards, Jesus finds him and look what he says to him. Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So what we see clearly from that is obviously as a result of a sin or something he was doing, he had brought something upon his life, but that's not always the case. But what do I know about suffering? Here's what I know. Suffering can be used for great. Why? Because suffering can be a great spiritual checkpoint for my life. Because when I go through the struggles, oh, people want to tell me there's sin in your life. It doesn't matter what people want to say. What matters is, is it right between me and God? And you know what suffering has the tendency to do? To bring you to your knees. And the first place you go is say, God, examine my heart. And if there's any wicked way in me, cleanse me, God. Deliver me. Free me. Give me the release that I need. So you see, suffering can be great when it drives it to your knees. And then you can know that you're saved. And you can know that you are forgiven in God. Look at this. Most of the suffering that we go through is the result of others' sins. Caused by murder, adultery, theft, sexual abuse, unloving parents, drunk drivers, selfishness, on and on and on. It's the result of what other people have chosen to do. Some have estimated that perhaps as much as 95% of this world's suffering can be accounted to the sin of other people. Wow. And what happens? We live in the consequence. We live in the consequence. But you know what? There's two types of consequence. There's the consequence of the plan of Satan. And there's the consequence of the plan of God. Because even though it may be something you don't want to be a part of and you don't want to be in, we know that all things can work together for good if we're trusting God. That God can take the struggles and the pains and the consequences and God can turn them around. Unfortunately, today we live in a fallen world where all creation has been affected by the sin of others. And Romans even speaks about that creation has been subject to frustration. Now I know today that when we're talking about human freedom doesn't always answer the questions why people suffer. 
but it helps to explain the origin and where suffering comes from. You see, all suffering is the result of sin, either directly as a result of my own sin, or of someone else's sin, or indirectly as a result of me living in a fallen world. But remember, God loves you. I said, but remember, God loves you, and God is all good, and God is all powerful. In other words, what appears to be the end is just the opportunities that God is looking for in your life. Let me say that again. What may appear to be, there's no way I'm going to get through this. How could this ever happen to me? Just keep trusting and keep believing because through God and through the struggle, there's going to be an opportunity that he's been looking for to help your life. Because when Jesus came to this earth, how did he come? He came as Savior. Savior. Why? Because his number one purpose was to save people from their sins. But you know what? He doesn't just finish saving us from our sins. He also wants to help us in the consequence of our sins. Why? Because just because we get saved doesn't mean the consequences are gone. I go every month to a prison and I preach to a whole load of guys that love God, but they're still incarcerated. There's still a price. There's still a consequence that they have to pay for their sin. But no longer does that consequence control their life. Now they are victorious through it in Christ Jesus. Come on, we all deal with consequences in our lives, but we're going to turn those things around for the glory of God. God would give us the grace and the favour through them. So knowing what, Pastor? Knowing that God loves you. And that the sufferings will bring about God's purpose in your life. The sufferings are not the purpose of God for your life. But the sufferings God will use to bring about the purpose as he works through those things. Let me close with this. No, it's not easy. No, it's not fun. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm suffering. Yes, it's not fun. It's not fun. God, can I not learn another way, please? Romans 8, 28. And we know. And we know. That God causes, he takes everything and he works it together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. It's in the working. I said it's in the working of good and power. He's working together for good. If you and I would just trust him. Yes, the process is hard. Especially when we just want the result. But I'm telling you right now, the stone that took the giant down had to first be in the brook. 
Because if there was a rough edge on that stone that David put in that sling and threw, it would have caused that rock to veer off. But because it was in the brook where every other rock and everything else was banging up against it and there was a struggle and a fight and it was going every day, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't... Now I see. Now I see. Because God can only use a smooth stone to bring down a giant. The pain and the struggles of our life, God is using to perfect you, to complete you, so that you will be lacking nothing. Would you stand all over this place today? No matter the reason for the suffering in your life, Maybe it is your sin. Maybe it's the sin of other people, no matter the suffering of life, or just because we live in a fallen world. The answer is still the same. God loves you. His love is the answer. And we've got to trust Him that He's not finished with us yet. But through the struggle, through the suffering, we're going to suffer well. Would you bow your heads all over this place? I want to pray for you today. And here's what I want to pray today. My first prayer is for those who, the struggle, the fight that you're in. Come on, you know it's because of the sin in your life. We're not condemning you today. We're giving you hope today because we're giving you the answer. But there's some of you today, you know that your life is not right. You know you need to give your life to Christ. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. In the first service, I think we had about six to eight people respond. And so thankful over the Easter weekend, we had 24 people give their life to Christ. Isn't that fantastic? And eight of those, listen to me, eight of those was in our e-kids club. Kids giving their life to God. Parents, that's why you need your kids here. Kids, that's why you need your parents here. Because we all need Jesus. But I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for those of you who you know your life is not right. You're bringing upon the consequences of your life. Because you know the choices and the decisions that you're making are wrong and you're not following God. But today in his grace and mercy, he wants to forgive you. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, who's going to be the first to put up their hand and say, Pastor, pray for me today? Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. That would say, Pastor, pray for me. I I want to make sure. I just want to know for sure. Precious Jesus. I'm going to pray for them. But listen, this is just the first prayer. So hold tight because we're not going anywhere today. I want to pray for those of you that lifted your hands and I want everyone to pray with us. Would you pray this prayer? Would you say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you've forgiven me. I thank you for your comfort. I thank you for your strength. I haven't made the right decisions and I'm reaping the consequences. But today... I turn my life around. I give my heart to you. And dear Jesus, I thank you that you have forgiven me and that I am saved. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.